Alright, let's try the clap thing again. Let's see if it'll make my edit better. Okay. What is it? Ready? <laughs> We're all okay. gonna clap. Three, two, one, clap. That's not gonna help you. This is Sunday Recap. Sunday Recap. A weekly sermon podcast. With Dave, with Dave, Ken, Fred, and Joey. Let's go. Heidi ho. Thanks, kids. Y'all are always so good at doing that. I don't know how you pull it off every week. But thanks so much for doing our openers, children, even while you're napping. I love it. Well, uh, I'll start this podcast off by saying my internet has been very um, hit or miss on a daily basis. So if everything ends and stops, we're going to keep recording on our ends. Uh, hmm. Or they'll keep recording without me and we'll come back. That was a fun episode when that happened. Good edit at the end, you know, to get everything together and lined up. It, it worked really well. But uh, yeah, we're glad you joined us for another week of Sunday Recap where we talk about life and faith based off of our sermon this past Sunday. Um, we want to know what you um, had questions about or thoughts about from the sermon. So remember, always email those to podcast at bigrace.org or go to begrace.org slash podcast, and you could submit an audio message with your question. We could always drop them during our live streams. We do our best to check those and find those, but we don't always get them. Um, but with that said, let's talk about this week. This week we were in our True Unity series again, uh, which looks at the first four chapters of 1 Corinthians. Um Today we, today, yesterday we were in 1 Corinthians, not even yesterday, Sunday, we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, starting at verse 18, we went through chapter 4, looking at verse 7. As long as Dave's notes are updated-ish, that's accurate. And if it's not, this is what I'm relying on today, so wish me luck. Uh, We talked about unity again, and how unity could seem foolish. That was your big title. Any talks about the big title? Yeah, man. Uh, Chapters one through four, Paul is like layering and layering and layering. So it's been getting more and more difficult each week to kind of focus on what are the main things and which things I can focus on and which things I can leave behind. And so he had uh, just been leaving the whole concept of foolishness and challenge them to become a fool. If they thought they were becoming wise, you know, if, if pride was a problem, they needed to become a fool. So I was kind of using that leading into this next section, but he gave a lot of very kind of clear, practical steps for them to take. So he's trying to basically show this is, this is how to become a fool for the sake of unity. How to become a fool for the sake of unity. Uh, and we'll probably talk about that more in details. I had a question pop in my head, but I was going to say I'll write it down, but it's all digital, so I can't write it down. But we'll see if I remember it later. And your three points were steward the mysteries, reject human judgment, and stick to the text. Yep, yep. All right. Such a good, such a good point on foolishness. I was thinking in this land of, I think church marketing has gotten shinier and shinier and you know, production has gotten better and better, and it's good to remember that sometimes it's going to feel foolish. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not sure what Censure. you mean. Well, I just mean sometimes looking from the outside in, uh, uh, like, Unity is not going to feel like a Hillsong concert looks on YouTube. Um, <laughs> it's going to feel very different. So I, I think I kind of am at a point in my life where I celebrate uh reminders of that <laughs> where yeah we're very we're very used to consuming uh pretty shiny christian media you know we <laughs> the church has struggled for a long time to try to get shinier and shinier and now there's a lot of shininess out there um but we need to be reminded of what real life is going to be like and um mm. so even just that title is a good it's a good reminder for me mm. that makes sense yeah yeah it's messy mm-hmm so if unity seems foolish 
What does it look like to become the fool, I guess, is then your sermon? Basically, yeah. So I didn't spend a lot of time on that point, but that was kind of where he'd left off last week to reread that little section. It says in verse 18, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. So Paul's saying, hey, if you if you think you're wise, then you need to repent and become a fool in the eyes of this age. So to, to riff off what Chris was saying about shininess, like if we think we're really the top of our game in this world's eyes, then we probably need to reconsider how we're doing things. And I think the coronavirus has been a great opportunity to step outside of our ability to command and control and predict and be shiny and you know all those things it's just been a good time to for me at least as a christian leader to remind myself like man i have i have no idea what i'm doing from a worldly sense <laughs> you know like nobody does it's kind of nice um <laughs> but i've got the gospel yeah. so i can keep preaching the gospel you know and i think that would be uh, the direction paul would go like yeah don't don't rely on your gimmicks or your you know methods just keep preaching the gospel Mm-hmm. Love it. All right, go through your points. Yeah, yeah. All right, steward the mysteries from verse 21 through the beginning of the fourth chapter. Mm-hmm. What did you talk about there? Yeah. The summary phrase I kept coming back to was be about Jesus and be willing to make everything else secondary. So, stewarding the mysteries is being about Jesus. The mystery is Jesus in a nutshell. Um, Jesus reveals the mystery of God's plan to save the world, you know, to love the world, to heal the world. Um, And so, the gospel, the story of the gospel, what Jesus is doing, how he's uniting all people in himself, is this just crazy good news and it's it's the main message we should be about so stewarding is this idea of like protecting and guarding and and even spending something that's not really yours you know using using a trust that you've been given as an overseer or a manager of of like property or a household or a business that belongs to somebody else um so just that sense of really being main point oriented people you know we're about jesus everything else is secondary again and again and again so when and where then like in what parts are we talking like at church be about jesus and keep main things like during our sermons what do you yeah what do you mean what do you guys think like does that make sense Yeah, that's a good question yeah Hmm. good question well, I think even at one point, Dave, you said, "Is it, yeah, is that up to me to, to I don't know if that's this section, but is that up to me to steward the gospel and the truth? Or is it up to us? And it's definitely, so it's not just about church leadership. It's about mm-hmm. the church as as the body of Christ uh, stewarding yeah. it. So that, that means, yeah, everywhere. Yeah, I think um, Paul is, Paul's been connecting the dots that he's, he really is a leader and his example as a leader is showing the church how to be the church. But kind of like we said a little bit last week, this gets confusing. The whole church, we're all leaders. Like the church hmm. exists as an organic unity of leaders that are the temple of God. So we are this like organic connection of people from every tongue and tribe who together are the temple of God. You know, individually, maybe, you know, Paul gets into that a little bit later on with sexual immorality. But mm-hmm. in this section, he's saying, as a group, as a group together, the way we come together is a revealer of God. And so, yeah, so it's not just the preacher. It's the way we interact. When we interact in unity, when we love each other, defer to each other, submit to one another, the word he used is agree with one another in chapter one versus factions and divisions. When we're actually unified, we are stewarding the mysteries, showing the world what Jesus is like. So Paul Paul keeps using official leaders to say, this is how an official leader should function, and that applies to you as well, member or non-official leader within the church. 
Um, so it's uh, it's an argument from maybe official leader to unofficial leadership that he keeps, you know, running back and forth on. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And mm-hmm. I guess what I'm wondering, though, too, is like, is this talking about, you know, in the church, like when we're teaching or when we're listening, mm-hmm. like, yeah stewarding the gospel and making sure like the words we say and the theology we have is right or is this also mm. like a everyday practice what we're doing i guess that's kind of my question like yeah. like does this yeah. this part translate to the rest of our lives outside of the church right well i think it does and because that's such a big you know once you open the pandora's box of you know not just what we say in church officially, but everything we do in all of our lives, that that's everything. So that's hard to nail down. So I think it's sure. easier to focus on like what Paul brought up. So Paul brought up factions. So when the church engages in factionalism, we hurt our ability to, to proclaim the gospel. And when the church engages in sexual immorality, that's a you know, that's probably a big big issue for us. That's Coming up in the next section, we're going to kind of punt on that and do that later because we're doing a lot of family worship stuff this summer. So we're going to come back to the sexual immorality passages maybe in the fall or maybe in the new year. And But but that's the very next place Paul's going. He's like, when you like pardon sexual immorality is no big deal or you like accept it as no big deal, again, you're hurting your ability to be the temple to show who Jesus is. Um, another thing he gives in the way they gather in worship so it's it's not until the end of this book i guess that he really starts to get into actually gathered worship he starts to talk about the way they gather being an issue so mm-hmm. he starts off with arguments and factions being an issue and sexual morality how we live our kind of our private life in that sense so more about their interactions with each other not as so much about interactions mm-hmm. with outsiders is kind of what i'm wondering yeah about. yeah i think I think he gets, yeah, he, he, he eases into that throughout the book. He gets far, you know, more and more he gets to interactions with outsiders. The sexual immorality thing he says is going to hurt, hurt their witness with outsiders. He talks about suing one another is going to hurt their witness with outsiders. So he, so he gets to that as he moves through the books. But yeah, I think relationship with each other is really where he starts here in this section. So kind of letting our light shine and other people can be the witness to it, but not so much about... Like our, okay. I'm just trying to put it together in my brain. Yeah. I mean, honestly, this is what makes First Corinthians so hard. He really covers a ton of territory in the whole book. Like he he's all over he he covers like all kinds of aspects of church life. Yeah. But this section, chapter one through four, why we're calling it true unity, it's mainly about factionalism, right? So like, I think this is one of the big sins of denominationalism. Um, when we say, well, we're the church that that does, you know, we're the church that does hymns, or we're the church that does contemporary worship, or we're the church that does uh, tongues, or we're the church that does verse-by-verse Bible teaching, or whatever it is, they can all be fine things that we're about, but when we make that the main thing, I think it becomes a faction. So it's, yeah, it's just a, it's a slippery slope. We have to keep coming back and saying, okay, maybe we do this, maybe we do X, Y, and Z that makes us quirky and unique as a tribe or group. But we're really about Jesus. That's really where we find our definition and our identity and what is most important to us. And if uh, whatever the secondary things we're doing ever gets in the way of us being about Jesus, we'll chuck them in a, in a heartbeat. Other thoughts, ideas? It's good. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is that it? Is that the first point? Are we done with it already? I don't know our timeline, how long we've been going. Well, uh, is that in this section you did the three bowings? Yeah, that was the application for this was Schaefer's Mm. we bow in three ways. Mm, So good. We bow as creatures, we bow as sinners, and we bow as learners. So it's kind of like three different practices of worship or practices of bowing, humbling, before God. Anything about those or just that they exist? <laughs> Do it. Bow. 
I think the Lord's Prayer ties in as I was looking through that. So, so Schaefer says we bow as creatures that we're dependent on God for our existence. We bow as sinners that so we need salvation through the gospel. And we bow as learners that like we don't really know what we're doing and we need his guidance. Um, and I, th- I think that ties in pretty well with the Lord's Prayer. Give us our daily bread is bowing as creatures. Forgive us our trespasses is bowing as sinners. And then lead us not into temptation. It may not be an exact fit, but I thought it kind of fit in general with like ongoing, like all of life, we're continually learning and trying to learn to fight temptation and be wise and walk, uh, walk in freedom as followers of Jesus. So basically summarizing this point is, is uh, being willing to admit I am wrong about anything mm. that's not central, but not being willing to um not being willing to budge about things that are important and are central Mm. yeah yeah so yeah i kind of came back to so that summary statement was be about jesus which will make everything else secondary and i repeated that a few times but it also means be be about jesus and be willing to be wrong on secondary issues so there's this great pride i see it a lot in, in the division you know, online, we're all divided and we're most partisan online. It seems like, you know, less partisan in real life. Um, and there's this pride I see in position in secondary issues where we want to convince, persuade, win people over. You're stupid. I'm right. You're wrong. And I guess I was arguing for, man, if we're really about Jesus, we can be wrong on secondary issues, you know, like, I, I don't know. I think that, I think that blows people's minds. And I was trying to be provocative on purpose with that. But if we're really about Jesus, we we can actually be wrong about secondary issues. You know, like that that doesn't consume our identity, which mm-hmm. I think would ratchet down the the angst and anger and stuff. I think I think also not only we can be wrong, but our uh you know, our figureheads can be wrong. <laughs> I think yeah, that's because yeah. that's a thing too. We do. Mm-hmm. I see do, happening a lot is we mm-hmm. ascribe, we, you know, we ascribe ourselves to a camp. <laughs> There's a leader yeah. of that camp. We can't ever admit that leader of the camp is ever wrong. You know? Um, yeah. That's not everybody, but I, I do think that's another thing is just like, I don't have to defend everything that the person I tend to align with has said, ever said, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just yeah. not, that's not a thing. So, Yeah. But that, but that kind of is this loop of if I've been acting like they're the savior of the world, it's going to be hard for me to dethrone that publicly too. So if we get in the habit of putting Jesus on the throne and not someone else, then it's a lot easier to say, oh yeah, that was, you know, it's not surprising mm-hmm. someone said something wrong or I don't have to hide yeah. behind that. So, yeah, I think my, my uh, final thought yeah. in this section, and it's really to help clarify Mm-hmm. I guess, and, and bring it down into real world. What what mm-hmm. are secondary issues and being about Jesus? Like, does, does being about Jesus mean being about everything that's in the Bible? Does being about Jesus, like, where where is that line of this is what mm-hmm. is a primary and this is what is secondary and what is everything mm-hmm. else that you can be wrong about? Where does that? Yeah. Any ideas? Man, I think, I mean, just to pick on the, this is so uncomfortable for me because I don't know if y'all know this about me, but as preachers go, I am the worst current events preacher there is. And so this whole time with COVID-19, I've actually been connecting more with current events and it scares the junk out of me. Like it just feels wrong. You know, like I think I have a very disciplined way of doing Bible Mm -hmm. teaching where I kind of vaguely connect with current events, but I don't, I don't, I usually don't pay that much attention to current events. You know, like I usually am just focused on the text and how we can apply it personally, but I don't apply it as much to like the world and current events broadly. So all that being said, here goes. I think right now the church's debate on how to react to the coronavirus, you know, is a great example. Like people priding themselves in either being really obedient to rulers or being really rebellious to rulers, which means they're, you know, obedient to the rebellious spirit of our founding as a country, uh, whatever they're, you know, whatever they're obedient to, obedient to their own skepticism, obedient to, 
Uh, I don't trust the encroaching socialism. You know, whatever it is, I'm, I'm really, I'm uh, drawn into all a lot of these different views out there. <laughs> um, but we can't find our identity in those views. You're like that's not that's not who makes us what we are. That's not what gives us. That's not what makes us smart. I think that's the, that's where I'm really. So this was the thing I was really keying on. I have a personal idol of wanting to be the smartest guy in the room. Um, I was raised that that was very important. That's why I was taught. I was always like, you know, one of the best students in my class. And uh, I say best students. I was not a great studier, but I, I always did well in school. We'll say that better than I should have. And uh, so that's an idol of mine to like think I'm smarter and think I can figure it out. And I just see that running rampant right now. When I, when I watch my friends post online on all the different sides, everybody's smarter than the other one, you know, like everybody's the smart one and everybody else is stupid no matter which side you're on. And it just, to me, that's just reeks of, of pride and boasting in men, you know? So verse 21, let no one boast in men for all things are yours. And then he's like, we're just, we're just servants. We're just stewards of the gospel. You know, he's like, look at us. So we're your leaders. You're boasting in us, but we're just chumps that are sharing the gospel. That's all we are. You know, like don't boast in us because we're smart. Don't boast in our leadership gifts, boast in the gospel. That, that's the point. And so I guess I just see that running rampant with the COVID-19 stuff right now is people want to like bet on the winning horse, you know, whichever of the three or four popular positions or leadership positions are like, oh, I want to be in that camp and be the smart, the smart guy that's figured it out, you know. Um, so I guess I was just really trying to press that's uh, that's not a that's not a gospel way to move forward doesn't mean it's wrong to have a position it's okay to have a position <laughs> just don't put your identity in it that, that's what i'm seeing i'm seeing online people like a lot of pride in the position so. yeah yeah it's and it's such ahead. a hard it's a, such a hard line to walk because yeah i think the thing i hear most in response to that is are you saying don't be confident about anything and don't, you know, <laughs> yeah. like you just, you know, you just kind of yeah. hinted at that. But yeah. I, I guess I, I was trying to say, what would I, how would I really respond to that of, mm-hmm. of, well, it's not, it's not don't be confident about anything, but it's don't mm-hmm. put your weight so much on that thing that you're going to be devastated or, or your ruins going to, your witness is going to be ruined if that turns out not to be true or, or you just yeah. said it so forcefully that you can't go back mm. or you can't apologize or you can't. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know. What were you going to say, Joey? Yeah. Uh, well, I, w- I mean, I wasn't even thinking. I think stuff like that is more or less obvious. It needs to be said. But um, I was just wondering what, for clarification on what you mean by be about Jesus. Like, does that, mm-hmm. like, that's what I was hoping for for the answer to that question. That was a great answer. And I think it, mm-hmm. it needs to be said. To some degree, but I think that one, most people can say, okay, that's a secondary issue. I'm just wondering what be about Jesus lands in. Like you even talked a little bit denominations for a second, and this is where they might have mm-hmm, gone wrong. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, yeah, what what level be about Jesus lands at? But if if that's too much, yeah. then yeah, I mean, I think a simple way to describe that is like, do you? do you have relationships and alliances with people of other denominations? You know, do you, that's a good test, uh, of other cultures. Um, yeah. Do you identify primarily as a Jesus follower or as, you know, a reformed Christian, you know, are you a Jesus follower or are you a, uh, smart Christian? You know, are you a Jesus follower or are you a, a white traditional, you know, whatever, are you a Texan? You know, I've joked about that one in the past because I'm a Texan and we all know Texas are, Texans are very proud of, we're proud of our pride. No. Um, <laughs> Surprise. So, lies. Yeah, yeah. Lies. Uh, um, well, yeah, whatever your culture is, whatever, or, you know, man, I don't know. I don't know what else it would be. Uh, like one thing for me, people, when they're trying to find a church, people are like, trying to pigeonhole you know what am i and i'm like i always have to try to walk this line of being honest i'm a part of a theological camp but it's not really that important to me (laughs) like 
and, and walking that line um, because I don't want to be dishonest and, and be like, I do not exist in any culture at all. You know, like, <laughs> of course I do. But these are the people I read. These are the books I'm interested in, you know, but, but Jesus is most important. So I guess just, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to even describe, I guess, because I don't think we do it very well, you know. I think yeah, what comes to mind for me is that that he he is our righteousness idea, like mm-hmm. like so that that's both justification and sanctification, right? And mm-hmm. so the whole platform mm-hmm. is this like this like all goodness is from him, mm-hmm. starting and continuing, mm-hmm. and I think that that to me that frames what being about Jesus means. So then mm-hmm. then you have to unpack okay, what is Jesus's righteousness? How did he trust the Father? How you know mm-hmm. so. How, how was I saved? And then how did I watch him live? You know, and so there's this there's this beautiful duel. Um, he's the example, the imputed righteousness, right? Um, he he did all the things that we should have done, um, and he also avoided sin. Um, and then he paid the price. So I think those that starts to, to me to get into like when you start saying my righteousness is from me, or my righteousness mm. is from that. Or my, mm-hmm. you know, my safety is from me, or my safety mm-hmm. is from that, and uh, mm-hmm. and so that that's back to the bowing thing. But I think trying to put it like I think Joey's trying to get to a a positive statement of that, not just avoid all these things, but what do you aim at? And to yeah. me, maybe that's that's where I start <laughs> the righteousness from Him, both to save mm-hmm. and to to sanctify. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's what you keep saying, and that's what you keep pointing people to, and. No, yeah, you don't mm-hmm. point it to something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Joey. Cool. Yeah, yeah. kind cool. of answering your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. That's Stop yeah. That's, asking hard questions, Joey. I mean, it's. I don't know. I didn't think it was a hard question. I was just. No, it's not. I'm just wondering. Just yeah, joking. what is the the good that we're looking mm-hmm. for, and where do we know how to draw that line? Because that's hard to say. No, mm-hmm. this issue is primary, and this one isn't. If we don't yeah. know what is primary, we can't we can't know where to draw that line. That's all I was. That's all I'm trying yeah. to say, really. If you think about it. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Point two: reject human judgment. Yeah, chapter four, verses three, four, and five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. I. Mm, I have something to say, but I think I want to wait until we're further into the discussion and see if it fits in better. <laughs> okay. All right, don't say it yet. Okay, I'll say it now, since you're insisting. (laughs) All right, so I'm wondering how rejecting human judgment lands in with the idea that we are told to let humans judge us, but judge is Mm -hmm. always in, seems in a negative way. So the positive that we're told to let humans judge us is, you know, glorify your Father in heaven, do things in a united way, you know, do things well. So that people can see your good deeds and they can glorify your Father in heaven. That is a form of yeah. judgment, right? Yeah. We've been turned over to let the world judge us and see us and see that we do good and we do it together and it glorifies God. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering how rejecting human judgment lands in with the idea that we are actually supposed to somewhat be judged by the world too, if that makes yeah. sense. That's fair. So Matthew five sixteen, let your light shine. Who's got the train? Sorry, that's my train. I love it. I'm the one near Nolan. I'm, I'm so in good. the Nolanville edge of Harker Heights, close to the train. Um, so let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And then First Peter, it's like very similar parallel statement, right? He says something like that. Um, and I think there's kind of the connotation of suffering there in First Peter. Like, you might be suffering for good, but then in the end they're going to see your righteousness and, and right, praise right, your right. Father. Like, maybe all the more on the day or something. It's kind of this day of judgment type emphasis in Peter. Um, so, often that's going to come through our suffering. Um, we're going to suffer in this world. And then as we suffer, people are going to see the resurrection power of Jesus coming through. So I would come, come back around to my main point of reject human judgment, meaning we don't, we don't start there. And then there'll be this like 
eschatological end times judgment where somewhere along the way people might see the good and praise our Father in heaven, or it may not be until the end when every knee bows. But at some point we trust that'll work itself out and people will judge rightly that that God was at work in our lives and that's why we are obedient to him. So I think it's kind of a it's kind of the long game. So people judging us, glorifying God, that's the long game. I think the short game for our hearts, the short game is reject human judgment. I can't I can't start with human judgment. I gotta start with God. And as I start with God, then I'll have to, you know, first Peter three fifteen, have a reason for the hope. They're like, Why do you hope in God when you know, when we're picking on you? <laughs> uh so we'll short game say i'm hoping in god i'm hoping in god he's my hope he's my salvation jesus is my righteousness jesus save me i can trust in him i can do the right thing i can practice um honesty in business even though it doesn't pay in the short game or i can practice sexual purity even though it doesn't seem to pay off in the short game um, i can uh, love my neighbors even though i don't see the short game benefit of that because god tells me to and so um paul saying yeah i don't I'm not judged by you. I'm not even judged by myself, really. Like, I'm not even... But again, we should judge ourselves. He's going to say in Second Peter, you know, judge yourself. See if you're even in the faith, <laughs> right? I think he uses the word examine there. Um, so yeah, there's definitely judging that we're supposed to do, but I think the immediate sense is we're focused on God's judgment. And then the yeah. other judgments will kind of work themselves out. So I don't know if that... Does that sound fair? It's really good. That's what I was mm. thinking. Mm. But I think it's interesting... Um, in the context of your title about mm-hmm. it feeling foolish. Mm, yeah. Um, I, you know, you, we've mentioned that podcast, this cultural moment. Mm-hmm. That was a fascinating comment. They said where we're watching this shift happen of before, like a Christian lifestyle might've seen, been seen as silly. Like you said, the sexual mm. ethic might've been yeah. seen as silly, but it was still seen as morally uh, good and right. And, sometimes even elevated like people would say man you're crazy for for not you know sleeping together before you're married but man i because i, I <laughs> couldn't have that self-control you know maybe i even mm. i wish i could but i can't you know gotcha. so that was that was the way it was said before and now it's yeah no you are literally imposing bad morality upon the world by mm. by your christian mm. ethic like so th- it's like yeah. the moral high ground in in uh, cultural terms has has shifted and we we haven't really like we're still kind of catching up but right so yeah. like the the abortion issue you say you know now it is we are the evil people who are saying what we think is best for a woman's body right you see watch that mm-hmm. that shift mm-hmm. happen and so this foolishness conversation is very it's changed a lot right um mm-hmm. how it's gonna you know how it's seen <laughs> that connected really well in my mind i don't know if you guys can jump and run with that but <laughs> no i'm tracking yeah it's gonna seem foolish yeah and i think that's the yeah to me that was a thread through all these things they they seem foolish to the world oh okay now thank you for that moment to to recollect yes so the judgment side of things right we're mm-hmm. experiencing an even more sort of moral outrage and judgment from people for for following the the tenets of Christianity, the actual Orthodox historic Christianity has become mm. not only foolish, but um, they would say evil in some ways. And so, yeah. so that kind of a judgment thing is even more, we have to be ready for like, um, and say, God is the ultimate judge. Um, and I'm going to continue to be faithful. Even mm. when you, th- you are accusing me of, of cultural evil right now. So mm-hmm. all of this, uh, relies on actually knowing what God says too. I think we're taking mm-hmm. that for granted and not really talking about yeah. it. But like, you can't just decide this is what God says because I'm pretty sure I think this is what I learned in Sunday school or fill in the blank. Like, mm. you have to yeah. actually know it in order to first know where to draw the lines, right? That was kind of the. Mm-hmm. The vein I was feeling there, and then I think here we're realizing, or I'm realizing now too, like, oh yeah, well if we don't actually know it, then how are we going to know what judgment and which places to draw lines? And yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
which is alluding to the stick to the text thing yeah I mean, which comes next yeah <laughs> yeah but like how many times i've been so th- thankful like dave said we have the freedom to be wrong in our opinions but we have a a text that's outside of ourselves so even when we say it badly or represent it wrongly we can still mm-hmm. say but it's over there if you want to actually look at it like let's go together mm-hmm. and let's see what it, god actually said regardless mm. of what i i ha- may have you know represented accidentally or not you know which then you know, goes back to the being willing to admit that we're wrong ourselves right if we yeah. realize we need to correct ourselves based off scripture yeah, yeah. I, I think i'm having a hard time right now with just in general a lot of maybe not even real Christians, but Christian people just throwing Bible verses on things to try and justify mm. what they're doing mm. and not doing. And we, we would always have problems with that. But yeah. I think, yeah, being able to admit we're wrong, like in cases like that, is, is hard. Mm-hmm. So, Well, just not even having a judgment, just saying, I don't know. Sure. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, there's so much stuff we don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and so being willing to say, I'm not sure. This is what I think, yeah. but I'm not sure. Yeah. 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 I think that that's really helpful that you articulate that, Jim, because as a, as a leader, that's a, a part of the constant pressure I feel during this time of uncertainty is, uh, yeah, just knowing people are looking at me f- for, for certainty. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm certain about Jesus. Everything else, not so much. That's good. I, I wanted to piggyback on what Joey said too, and and just mm-hmm. warn people. I, I think that that's been scaring me, because mm-hmm. what I've seen is online. I think this is what kind of what you're talking about, Joey. Is like I come to opinion, and I'm going to attach a Bible verse to it. Yep. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to raise my opinion to a moral <clears throat> level by throwing a Bible verse or three out of context Bible verses, and yeah, just yeah. be careful out there, guys. Like that's the wrong direction. We don't we don't mm-hmm. like. We don't say what we want to say and add the Bible to it. We read the Bible and <laughs> try to try to form our opinions from there. So, hmm. um, yeah, just seen that happen a few times, and I'm just like, oh gosh, please, please be careful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard because it you feel I feel embarrassed when somebody mm-hmm. does that because when they're doing it to somebody to a business, for example, and you don't even know who's in the business that they're dealing with. Mm. They may not even be a believer, so how does it help yeah. to throw Bible verses at them when you, mm. all you're doing is trying to hammer them with something that they may not even understand? Mm. Yeah. Or even just mm. in general, too, you know, like just like thrown out there to the internet, like, here you go. I'm just like, mm. nah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But mm. I think we've all at least made that mistake somewhere or sometime, so... Yeah, so, sure, yeah. no judgment there, people, but <laughs> just trying to pass on what uh, I'm thinking and feeling. Yeah, yeah. I think the the biggest thing that Keller talks about with this text in his, his little book, The uh, Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, is how neither cultural answer is actually the gospel. So, um, so judging ourselves with good self-esteem is not really mm-hmm. the gospel answer. Or, you know, being judged by others and caring too much about what other people think, that's not really a gospel answer either. You know, I mean, it's it's what God thinks. And uh, so I was just real convicted of that, of how we often fight fire with fire, you know? So, like, um, if I don't feel good about myself, well, then I'll go out and get the approval of other people, and that'll make me feel better. Sure. Well, that's not, yeah, that's not God's answer. Or... If I'm beat up by what other people think, I can learn to say, forget you. I only care what I think. You're stupid, you know? (laughs) And that's as more of a, like, withdrawing personality. That's what I have tended to do throughout my life. Like, realize I'm caring too much what people think. And then I'm like, I don't care. You're all stupid. I'm like, that's not really the gospel, you know? (laughs) Like, that's not really the answer. So, um, yeah, knowing that I've been there, you know? Yeah. Well, and the, the answer you're alluding to is, Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not really concerned with what you think because I know what God thinks of me, because yeah. of Jesus. And, yeah, and I yeah. have a security in that. That okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, I can. I get criticism, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Paul adds, and in the end, it'll all 
come to light. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Right. That's the yeah. that's the interesting thing in this section. He has this powerful focus on justification. I'm not judged by you. I'm not judged by myself. It's only God's judgment that matters. Oh, and in the end, God will sort it all out. So he mm-hmm. he kind of hits both sides of it too. There's like an immediate now judgment we have in Christ. I'm totally forgiven. I'm free. I'm loved. Jesus is with me. But there's also this again eschatological end times. Like there's a there will be a future judgment that will, you know, that will reveal our hearts, so, mm-hmm. which is kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Point three. Point three. Main point number three, verse six and seven of chapter four in First Corinthians is stick to the text, which we've kind of already been talking about and alluding to. But sticking yeah. to the text means what? Because we often talk about it when we're like talking about sermons like, oh, I went to this church, I moved, and you know, there wasn't really much scripture in it, or like it seemed like they kind of talked about what they want to talk about. What does stick to the text mean for everybody? What do y'all say? Well, it's one of those things where, uh, yeah, it's open to discussion sometimes, even when, you know, okay, so I'm crafting something for Sunday. Mm. One of my biggest concerns is, will it stick to the text? Or will I be mm. inserting what I want to talk about, right? Mm. Uh yeah, I, I think it's always a struggle for people to understand what it means and what it means for them. You know, the old so what question. Mm. Uh, and we have to work through that all the time as individuals when we're doing our, our personal Bible study, when we're discussing with other people, when we're teaching other people. Uh, and we I just pray for God's Spirit to work in us so we can understand it better mm-hmm. and and do good hard work at studying in the midst of it uh, we're still going to make mistakes mm-hmm. right? word <laughs> what do you think Chris um yeah I mean I think I think the language we've used in the past here at Grace is submit to the Bible and uh, mm-hmm. I've been very thankful for that concept and um, you know it can be it can be close to our tribe so it, it's it's kind of sometimes hard to imagine a different way and so it's going around in circles but I think uh, I think there definitely is this, a sense kind of just what we were talking about of att- you can either attach God's word to your opinions or sit mm-hmm. under God's word and bow bow mm-hmm. to his word and say this is the authority for me and for you and for all of us. And it's not my opinion and my, uh, this, you know, this doesn't come from me and it's up to me to invent this beautiful wisdom and come up with pithy statements. Like, you know, Confucius says, you know, it's not, it's not Chris says it's, it's really, um, putting my identity and my wisdom as secondary to God's wisdom and say, um, my, yeah, like Jim is describing, the whole process of a sermon is to get as close to the the, the intention of of the word as we can, and to mm-hmm. and to submit all of our other desires for what it, we want it to say and desires mm-hmm. for what we want it to mean. Mm-hmm. That that is below what it actually is saying and what it actually is meaning and saying. You know what the most valuable thing is? Not for me to say it in an awesome way, but for me to to make it clear as as clear as I can, what God has been saying all along. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we, how do we know then when we're reading the text and taking the text for what it's actually Mm -hmm. saying versus reading it and putting our own thoughts and ideas into it? How do we Mm -hmm. know that when we're at home on our own or fill in the blank Mm -hmm. or even listening to a sermon, I guess, but, yeah. What do you guys think? What's the litmus test or what's the method mm-hmm. for figuring that out? Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think there are a lot of tests. So as human beings, we tend to want it, you know, we want it simpler than it is. But I think community is a test, you know, you have other other 
people that you're in relationship with and they can be like, no, you're crazy or that's not what it means. You know, so community is a part of that. I think gifted teachers help us. The Bible, this is a funny thing in, in the Protestant world. You know, we believe in the priesthood of all believers and we believe everyone can, can read and should read the text for themselves. But we also believe that God's gifted teachers. So, I mean, I think we're okay with that and saying, yeah, get people that are gifted as teachers to help you. And then maybe if you're gifted in administration, you can help them with that, you know, and we help each other out. Um, I think there's also been this thing. Um, I'm trying to think of a non-nerdy way to say it, but it's the big word is Catholicity, which means like the universality of something, you know, like have all Christians mm -hmm. believed this or it's just, is this just a thing that Christians believe in a certain latitude and longitude, you know? That doesn't mean it's wrong, but it's a it's a clue, you know. Like, is this what something has the church historically and over time yeah. thought about yeah, this in different topic. places and in different times? Yeah, I think that's helpful. And you know, just basic textual, you know, learning. How do you take a text seriously? What's it about? What are the themes? What are the repeated stuff? You know, that's a lot of like Bible study technique. You know, are there key themes that are repeated a lot? What does he keep saying over and over again? Um, trying to think what else. Glorifying well, God, humbling man. Yeah. You think you were going to say, Jim? Well, I was thinking uh, we, we don't talk about meditation very much, but mm, because yeah. it's become one of those new age, they, they took our idea and turned it into something mm -hmm. else. But, uh, but just mm -hmm. thinking about the text is what that is, yeah. and just taking mm -hmm. the ideas with you wherever you go and, and ask, because God's yeah. Holy Spirit is at work in us doing things, asking mm -hmm. him to reveal mm -hmm. stuff to us. And, you know, one of the things I used to find was if I went out and did something physical, like riding a mm -hmm. mountain bike, Sometimes I'm think, you know, I wasn't consciously even thinking about it, but suddenly I get this, yeah. oh yeah, that, you know, and it yeah. would bring to mind, oh, that's what that meant. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think we can't deny the idea that God is at work in us. So thinking about His Scripture while we're doing other stuff is a good way to uh, to mull it over enough to finally come to a conclusion. Not always the right conclusion, uh, mm -hmm. but but trust that God will help us get there. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. What was your thing? God loves to go mountain biking with me. Was that it? Or was it something different? Oh, that was that. Jesus loves to hunt golf balls with me. There you go. That one. <laughs> he also loves mountain biking. Just yeah, he does. <laughs> Unless you're Stephen yeah. Watson, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unless you're Stephen Watson. Gosh. Well, that that makes me think of too. That there's the difference between primary, big, obvious things and the the mm. smaller sometimes more confusing um, little things. And I think people just can often get stuck on this one word seems to be, you know, I, I can run with that way over here and, and, mm -hmm. and uh, just being, being aware of that. And, and I think like Jim, Jim's thing of the Holy spirit really can guide you. And, and, but it's this heart posture of like, God help me not be wrong. Like, let, let's keep mm -hmm. praying that like, help me, help me really yeah. understand and, and not just, just want to seem wise help me actually know yeah. this truth and i think i think i want to tie that too to what you were saying with with the community test dave mm -hmm. i just i feel i feel like I, i'm passionate about um you know this this ability to be wrong mm -hmm. letting like it it takes bravery <laughs> like it really mm -hmm. does and i want i want us to be brave because because mm -hmm. the thing is um you need to be brave enough to be wrong. So you may be, some people could come into like a small group setting, say, and just be absolutely certain about a thing. And they're not brave mm -hmm. enough to listen to someone's feedback. Right. So that's, that's mm, one yeah. kind of bravery. There's another kind of person who comes in and thinks this thing in their head and their heart, but is too scared to say it out loud because they don't want to hear someone say is wrong. And, mm. uh, and I think we just need, uh, man, God's grace, but you know, the grace to actually say what we think and not just jump on people too fast and in an ugly way or mm -hmm. not shut people's feedback down. That's both directions. Um, mm. But it takes that, you know what I'm saying? Like it takes that, yeah. that fortuity to say like, man, I'm, I'm probably going to say something wrong in small group tonight. If I don't, maybe I'm not like actually talking or maybe I'm not actually contributing. <laughs> like, like, yeah. you know, like the maybe goal I'm too of, guarded if I never say anything wrong. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm, yeah, I'm aware of that because, because it can become a weird, weird, weird echo chamber of, 
mm-hmm. just parroting things you think other people want to hear and that's not the way to grow i don't think yeah. um that's that's just yeah that's branding i don't know what that is but so. mm. did did you cover something about a learner in this ser- sermon dave because i don't know i've been look the problem is about looking through the whole six weeks and somewhere in there i noticed a comment about us being lo- learners learners yeah, yeah, one yeah i think that was in the, the well, bowing in section one uh, oh that's what it was. okay we yeah. bow as creatures sinners and learners right and so the, the whole attitude of i still am learning you know it's mm-hmm. really there's an interesting uh, thing that happens that they've done studies on guys never read another book after they graduate from high school college hmm. or finish their master's yeah once you like finish nine, any professional education you just stop reading right. Like 97% Mm. of guys. Wow. It's a crazy high number. 97% may be wrong, but it was a high number. And Mm -hmm. I just think we really have to have the attitude that I have stuff to learn every day. Mm. Well, and and one of the ways you learn is by empathizing with other people and seeing their side and Mm. feeling why they would feel certain ways. So the only way you can do that is if you express yours, they express theirs, Mm -hmm. and then... You can, like, if I can actually argue for your side of the argument, then maybe I actually know your side a little better and can learn yeah. from it, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Well, yeah, with all this, I mean, that's been a fun thing. <laughs> fun is an interesting way to say it. But, like, the stress of, of the corona crisis and us, us four meeting as a team to decide stuff week to week. Dude, that's, like, it's the equivalent of, like, seven trust fall retreats you know rolled in <laughs> rolled into mean, a few day to day? <laughs> yeah it's just like we're there's so much of of that like what in the world is going on and and talking it through and trying to see it from each other's perspectives it's yeah it's been i honestly think that crazy. sometimes if an outsider saw the four of us talking they might think we all just fight and don't get along <laughs> sometimes <laughs> not always yeah. it's like uh four very different brains and one Jesus. So, yeah, trying to, <laughs> trying to see it from different views and understand it. Yeah. Which is hard, yeah. but good. Do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do it. <laughs> but I'm always right, so listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Uh, yeah. It seems foolish to be united because... What? Man. I think our human instinct is to protect ourselves, to be orphans that ensure our own survival. And so unity, unity says, I'm not about me or my tribe. I'm about Jesus and the group. And that runs counter to our flesh, which is then everything else in First Corinthians, the sexual immorality stuff, lawsuits, you know, tongues, uh, worship practices, rich versus poor, all the division things that come up in the rest of First Corinthians was about the Corinthians falling back into a fleshly survival mode of thinking, that's foolish. I need power and wisdom, you know, to take care of myself. No more survival of the fittest, huh? Mm. Makes yes. me think too, you talked about people going to other churches because you know so many people move away from here and the the tech side of thing text you know people find a church that um that preaches the bible you know sticks mm-hmm. to it but i think too I, I, that's an interesting thing because we you can be also united around the wrong thing um mm-hmm. even churches can do that and so mm-hmm. um i think that's that might be a fascinating situation as people move away to I've, I've talked to people who they come to a church that that you know maybe maybe preaches the Bible, but culturally has created their own sort of strain, their own tribe that that really is about more about being their tribe than than anything. Yeah. And yeah. and so you might actually you know as people are searching for churches, you maybe pray through it. Is it, is this God saying, well, that's something I don't need to be a part of because they're all about their own tribe, or is it mm-hmm. something where I can lovingly enter into that and? help be the one who's centered around jesus and and mm-hmm. points them back to that um i just mm. i think that's yeah churches i mean st- sometimes churches that are the best at 
business <laughs> mm-hmm. are going to be have a hard time not just stumbling into like we're so slick and good at doing stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that we become about ourselves and not Jesus. Um, yeah. So well, and mm-hmm. that that's Paul's tie-in, right? Going beyond the text means being puffed up, right? He yeah. says, "Don't don't yeah. go beyond what's written, so that you won't be puffed up." So his measure. His measure is not, do they use the historical grammatical method of exposition in their preaching? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, are they puffed up or not? If you're yeah. puffed up, you've gone beyond the text. And so that that's the bottom line for Paul. Puffed up people are, are going beyond the text. They're not, that's not preaching it properly if you're puffed up. Well, it's, yeah. kind, of, it's kind of the only alternative, right? If you're not going to go mm-hmm. by what God has said, then mm-hmm. you're going to take man's opinion or your own opinion and use it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, that's, so, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I just, that made me think, I had that thought at the beginning of all this, um, regard us as, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. The mysteries of God are not just bullet points. They're new life mm-hmm. and changed life and, and forgiveness and grace lived out. Can, mm-hmm. you know, connected. It's just, I was thinking, you know, that old the- thought, theology and doxology. It is yeah. knowledge and lived out worship. Uh, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's not, you know, it's not just a battle over even getting puffed up, but like you said, over the perfect translation and the perfect execute. It's like, it's all of life. You can't just take the knowledge side and say, we're super knowledgeable, but we're not being changed day by day by the mercy of God. Yeah. Yeah. I I think a first century example were the Pharisees. They were the Bible teachers. They were the Bible people. Mm. They, They said, we're sticking to the text, but Christ kept confronting them on being puffed up so i think that's a great case study for us and then i mean just sadly the the tribe that we're a part of i would say maybe expository preaching churches are the most text oriented maybe you know that's like very much Mm -hmm. like if you're going to be about the text you're going to try to teach verse by verse or teach you know what the text says there are different ways of saying it um but those can sometimes be arrogant places. And Paul would say, you're not, you're not sticking to the text if you're arrogant. So you're a clanging symbol. Mm, that's very first Corinthians of you, Chris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> music. Well, I don't know what, I don't know what you're talking about. I was just <laughs> <laughs> cool. I was going to say, don't be lukewarm. You'll get spit out, spat out. Oh, man. Yeah. It takes doctrine and devotion. Mm -hmm. Practice and theology. There you go. Doctrine. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, logic on fire. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Is that an episode of the Hunger Games? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, It's just a little phrase he liked. Y'all feel good? (laughs) Want to talk about anything else? You guys want to do any special effects? Like lasers? I did have something. So here's the bonus for people that pay attention to this podcast and and maybe watch the sermon anyway. I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say. So here's something that was in my notes that did not make it to the sermon. And that was how personally this has come to light in our use of technology and the discussions we're having about good camera work and lighting and how to broadcast church to people. And the goal has been clarity, not like fanciness, you know? And so sometimes it requires buying a more expensive light bulb so that you can see a person's face so it doesn't look like a terrorist video, right? Um, and so there might be a uptick in money or efforts spent, but the goal is not to just say, look, we're spending money or look, we're flashy or look, we're fancy you know it's clarity like we want people to be able to see and hear the message and so that's just been an interesting tension i felt as we've you know tried to get better at, at technology like yeah the tech is not about the tech the tech is about the message that, that's the point yeah. and that's in contrast to the wizard of oz tech right the wizard who was trying to be impressive that was the, that was the whole point of his camera work so but really, he's just a little man behind the curtain. Just a little man got exposed by a little dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last thoughts? 
Well, thanks for bearing with us, tuning in, hanging out. We miss you. We'll see you for mm-hmm. our live stream this Sunday morning, 10.45 a.m. You can find us on Facebook and on YouTube.